All right, everybody, we're back with podcast here at Southwest High School. Today, joining me are three of my favorite people on the planet and great colleagues. Uh, I have Mrs. Sarah Weeks from Arlington Heights, Mr. Troy Langston from Pascal High School, and Mr. Rodrigo Durbin, the principal at South Hills. And uh, obviously, these are three high schools right around Southwest High School, and guys, welcome to the podcast today and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to to join me. Um, we're going to kick it off real quick uh, with kind of what what have you experienced at your schools? What kind of um, strengths have you seen coming back from the pandemic and what what areas of concern do you have uh, that, have, that have kind of happened at your high schools since we've come back? Well, while they were gone, lots of construction went on at school. So students don't know where things are, didn't know where things are. They keep moving throughout the year, so that's been kind of interesting. So students not not used to being home, thinking the school is home. And so you know, one of the goals this year was to try to make it home, and classes feel good about that. Some of our teachers have done a great job with that. Do you have kids dressing like they're at home still? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dramas. Right, that's been a little bit of a concern here is getting them out of their uh, at-home learning environment where and back into a traditional school. Where, not that that's, you know, critical in the learning, but, but just just the mindset shift, you know, of, of moving to it a little bit. The lighting in rooms. The lighting in rooms, the structure of a classroom as opposed to the non-structure that was at their um, at their house. They wanted to use a restroom. They didn't have to ask. They wanted to go and um, grab a snack. They didn't have to ask. They just all, getting kids back into that routine as well as having them understand that some of the freedoms that they had while learning at home, they do not have here um, back at, when we're back in school. How about... Um just have they struggled with their attendance just being able to have you guys had some struggles and with your attendance and getting them back into school this year yeah i think so i mean one of the hardest parts is trying to get back into the mindset of coming to school every day and being actively engaged in the classroom because one of the biggest strengths that i saw coming out of the pandemic was Technology savvy, kids became a lot more technology savvy. We're pushing virtual. I mean, you can walk the campus now and a lot of kids are on their laptop doing their work. So that's a positive. The drawback would be the social interactions, coming to school every day, not missing a beat because it's very important to be in class. And kids are sometimes in that mindset that um, I'll just make it up or I'm online, I'm doing my work online why do, and I'm passing my classes. Why do I have to be in class if I'm doing everything online, I'm passing my class. I don't understand the 90% rule if I know this stuff. So I think that's a battle we're having at high school. Just for one of the battles we have here is just kids, um, kind of that internal time clock of, of structure, like you were talking, Sarah, of 90 minutes is like forever when you've been at home, able to get up, go to the restroom, do what you needed to do. So. Um, just really trying to develop ways to keep kids engaged throughout the whole lesson has, has been a challenge. What? It's always been a challenge, though. And the cell phone, it's the double-edged edged sword of technology in that 
it's such a great tool to use, but how do we rein it in, in a classroom setting specifically, so that it's used for good and not for TikTok? Well, right. I mean, it's the cell phone, we're, it's such a competing factor, right? Um, and even our Chromebooks allow kids to get to Instagram and other competing things. So teachers really have to be mindful of, of what that experience looks like. What other challenges have you guys faced in regards to staffing? Have you had issues at your campus with vacancies or, or teachers being out? And how's that affected, you know, student and staff morale? At the height of our of um, this winter, when we were a lot of sub short, I believe we were one day we were twenty three substitutes short um, because we had so many people out with COVID, so many people who were just out for um, a number of reasons, and then we have all of the vacancies that we still have at our campus. So, so do, do all of you still have a teacher vacancy? Like at least one or you have four? I have four as well. Yeah, I have one, and I have two two teachers that I hired that are waiting for their certification in order to get cleared into those vacancies. They're working right now as long as they're but they're in there right now. They're just waiting for their certifications to clear. So that's a pretty common problem. Like, I think my staff and I think all of our staffs are like, you know, why are there so many vacancies? But, you know, I mean, we're um, four high-performing high schools here in, here in Fort Worth, and all of us have vacancies, and I think that's a trend you're going to see across. Well, vacancies not only teachers, but in support staff. You know, custodial staff is really impacting our campuses. Where at a high school, we're running from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. You know, our cafeteria is used 24, 20, they feel like it's 24-7, so it's hard for them to get in there and clean, and restrooms being cleaned, gyms being used. It's just nonstop, nonstop cleaning restrooms and, and, and trash. And then also, you know, I just, you know, I found out that I had an additional instructional coach position on my campus, but I never... I'm not able to hire that position because they don't want to pull nobody from the classroom or teachers. So, you know, they're giving us resources, but then there's no people out there to hire for those resources. So, I mean, so, I mean, I think for that, I mean, how have you guys covered when you've had so many people out? Have you? One of the pieces uh, that we're thankful for is the fact that the district paid attention to that and they are sending out like I have three people from downtown today and, uh, we were appreciative, and I talked to one of them today, and he said they're on call three days a week. Yeah, I think that's been very helpful, and I think, you know, I mean, all of us have had to lean on support staff to take on additional roles and, and, and cover classes to make sure students are kept at the forefront. So, you know, I think the challenges have been pretty similar across our campuses and coming back, um, and I think that's reassuring for teachers to hear that, um, you know, right now in education, it's tough, no doubt. Uh, it's it's going to be tough until we're able to get people hired. And um, I think until, you know, Fort Worth is trying to match beginning salaries up higher, as we all know, and that's a great thing. But we want to make sure that our experienced teachers and everyone feels compensated as we move throughout. So, I mean, I know they're working towards some things there. I kind of want to shift uh, conversation a little bit just to talk about um, with my staff. And so, you know, they, they, they hear what I look for when I come in and I say, you know, Hey, this is, this is what I'm looking for when I come into a classroom. What are some of the key things that you look for when you go in to classrooms and say, Hey, this is, this is what I want to see. 
I think student engagement, students actively engaging in the content that is being presented, either in a project or in a discussion, or it, it can look a, a many different ways, but ensuring that students are act, actively engaging in that content, whatever that looks like for the teacher and their plan for the day. Yeah, I, I love to see students having academic talk, whether that be in a large group setting with the whole class or small groups. Walk around and you hear them talking to each other about content, about skills, et cetera, or building skills. You know, they're working really hard on building skills, and uh, and then the teacher stops and and asks a question out of the blue, and bam, it's there. You know, they're obviously engaged by the, the responses that they give, or that that the, the teacher has structure where they all can respond one way or the other. And I think we learned last last year that. Uh, Students at home can respond as well if you put the right apps in front of them. So some teachers are still using that. And others have gone to that formative assessment kind of stuff right there in the room. So students engaged is, is great. Um, they don't remember their phones are there if they're engaged with their classmates in an academic setting or, or a performance setting. They, they, they don't have to worry about that phone because their mind is on something else, and I'd love to see that. Yeah, one thing I look at is uh, what kind of relationship that teacher has with that student. The positive relationship, you know, the talking student is the student enjoying the class, and is the teacher enjoying being there with the students? Is something that I look at. Um, I always tell teachers, you know, you got to make education fun. Nobody said learning can be fun. Nobody said learning had to be boring. So go have fun, you know, teaching students, and and they will respond because these are young adults we're talking about. And uh, monitoring the phones is just part of life. I mean, it's we try to, I, you know, I discourage them picking up phones, but you know taking phones away from kids and let's just teach kids how to monitor the phones because, you know, we all go to the meetings and we mo we have to monitor our phones sometimes. Um, and there's nothing wrong with in a classroom having a break built in. You know, you just work 20 minutes, 25, and you have a five-minute break to get on your phone, check your email, check your text, whatever, and then we move forward. And then you see a lot of response from students. They, you know, majority of students are going to respect that time, respect that teacher. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting, you know, so many teachers, if they could just move past compliance-based classrooms, right? Like, I'm the teacher, I'm in charge, you do what I say, and move into a student-led, authentic experience. And that's something we've been talking about is, like, I don't really care what the activity is, um, but if kids don't have a chance to lead at some part during the activity, they're just not engaged. Um, and then their phones become an issue or their behavior becomes an issue. And, and ultimately, um, you know, content gets lost because kids are paying attention one minute, but then the next minute, it, you know, compliance is in and out based on, on all the other distractions. Going back to um, what Mr. Durbin said about relationships in the classroom, and I think that it's pretty evident that if I walk into a classroom and there's not necessarily much discourse and um, active learning going on that, um, you know, I, I might look and say, well, kind of, you know, how, how you engage your students and how you gotten to know your students and um, do they know anything about you as far as a teacher goes? And so you don't have to be best friends, obviously, but um, you can definitely tell uh, with it, with that relationship piece, if there's a good relationship, uh, student and teacher relationship. And, and some of it is like low energy, right? Like, um, 
I go in classrooms and, and we push back a little bit about, I can deal with a lot. Like I can deal with mistakes, pedagogy and everything, but like have some energy, like look like you're excited to be there. Um, you know, move that. Do you prefer uh, like a, I think I already know the answer based on what you guys were telling me earlier, but does noise bother you when you go into a classroom or do you expect to see noise when you're when you're in a classroom observing not I expect I mean, noise to to a degree that it's noise that's related to class i'm not the rose and quiet you know like you said compliance students are not engaged students compliance is the opposite of engagement in my opinion engaged students tend to have some relationship with the teacher maybe some banter back and forth some fun Oh my gosh, class could be fun. And when we're fun, we're laughing, we're enjoying ourselves, there's engagement in conversation. It's not one person and everybody else is just silent, dead, or nobody talking. Yeah, we, we're going to have to, you know, we have these new learning spaces and uh, we have to retrain our campus monitor, we have to retrain our APs, our teachers, that it's okay for kids to be out there talking and learning, you know, and working, you know, because that's what they're built for. So it's, retraining people to say it's okay for kids out there in the hallway. You know, especially if they have a free period, I'd rather them be sitting down in the hallway just hanging out than be walking out and being all over the place, especially in my library. Like, if the library's open, I want kids to be talking. I want to walk in this quietness. We're not going to yell at kids. We're not going to disrespect kids. And one of the biggest questions when I talk to the students is, hey, how's the math teacher going? Is it, how's Mr. Ingle, you know, how's he treating you? How's that class? How's it going? They treating you right? And you know, kids get, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, they're treating me right. That's what I'll, because I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> Somebody's telling you, not treating them right, they're going to tell you the truth. Well, hopefully, Mr. Ingle's treating them right, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's important to me. Uh, it is interesting. I tell my teachers a lot, kids work harder, and I think people in general work harder for people they like than for people that are being compliant to. Um, couple, couple final questions. Um, you know, th there's so much talk about college and career readiness. Um, and I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I have a lot of kids here who, you know, talk to me about more of a career opportunity and the skills. And so I talk to my teachers a lot, a lot about, you know, we, we are responsible for also teaching kids some soft skills that can go into the job market or that they can be successful utilizing, whether they go to college or they go straight into a career. What are some of the soft skills that you expect to see kids learning or graduating with coming from your high schools? I think grit is something that, that the students need to understand and just the ability to communicate with other people. No matter what job they have, they've got to be able to communicate. So communication skills, um, hard work ethic, you know, just understand that, 50 people might want your job, and you're going to want the next job. So work your way out of this job to the next one, and you'll be fine. That goes back to something I always hear Mr. Engel saying, is that you're always on an interview for your next job. You go. You're always on the interview for your next job. And so perseverance and that grit and work ethic is huge. Um, you know, just because you're tardy to first period every day doesn't mean your boss is going to make um, keep you on if you're five minutes, ten minutes late to work every day. And so understanding that you know, you're outside of school now. And so there's a different set of rules and, 
being persevering and making sure that they understand those rules and doing their best to represent not only themselves, but also their families and whatever they're trying to accomplish um, in life. Yeah, I stress to the kids and to my teachers confidence, uh, building confidence in the kids that why not me? Why can't, why not you? Why not you going to college? Why not you taking on that job and questioning people? Just don't take no for an answer. You question people and you ask why in a respectful way, but ask why, what's going on. Um, an example, you know, we're talking about teachers and benchmarks right now, and they're going over their data and having those conferences with students. And I stress to them, talk about their confidence, give the kid a confidence and they're going to perform for you. You know, if they got, if they improved two, two questions on this last benchmark, that's confidence. Next Something one we're going to do right. Exactly. Right. So give them the confidence and you're going to be surprised what kids can do for you. You know, I love that. When they're confident and they can have something to be proud of, and I want to be able to ask all my graduates, what are you proud of? Some of them come to us with tons of things to be proud of. They have great family life, great relationship with their families. You know, they've got all kinds of things, accolades in athletics, arts, or academics. But every student should walk across that stage with something to be proud of. When they have that pride in something, even if it's something they've done, which especially if it's something they've done, but no matter what, they're going to go about their life with a, with their head up if they're proud about something and that they remember that. I think that's a great reflection for our teachers to ask our students in my class, what are you proud of? Yeah. What have you what have done what have you done that makes you proud? Not necessarily me proud, but what makes you proud? And I think that they would get some interesting answers. I just think it's important that we shift the narrative from kids seeing school as a roadblock or, or a stumbling point and getting in the way of their job or getting a, I want them to see school as a, <clears throat> you know, it's a building, it's a pillar to their success and education as and an something that will op, open opportunities for them. Um, and so, you know, it, it it centers around that collaborative workspace and being able to get along with peers and, and show up on time and, and have the confidence to ask the right questions. But no, you're good. I just, I see so many of our kids get lost in um, making poor choices, skipping, not attending and kind of self they they kind of have a deficit mindset, and that's kind of what I want to end with you guys on today is um, a deficit mindset of man or fixed mindset. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a dropout. I'm not. How how are you guys instilling a growth mindset in your students and your faculty? Great question. We actually did a mindset activity with our freshmen as part of our freshman success team this year. Um, we want them to think of themselves as continuous learners, uh, continuously growing. And, you know, they don't know everything that they're going to need to know in life. And that's okay. Just remember, though, that you don't shut yourself off at an eighth grade level and decide that you're going to go ahead and have a successful life, right? And at the same time, do they know that there's people that care enough to help them? Do the, you know, that's part of that relationship piece that you talked about. Um, so we're, we're trying to build the understanding that you have a home here. This is your home. You're a panther for life. I mean, that's actually on all of our exits. 
Um, I know. I make fun of you at principal meetings for you guys yelling that Panther for Life right. stuff. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but the, no, I actually the, the notion is that they had, they're forever home, so to speak, right? Um, because that's a foundation, and they need to know they're getting a foundation while they're in high school. No matter what they're going to do afterwards, they need a foundation that's strong to get them through the next 50 years, 60 years, or whatever. Yeah, I challenge our kids here a lot of times when, because some of my teachers have fixed mindsets, like, well, they come from, you know, a broken home or the kid doesn't seem to care. And I'm like, so do you think that kid can't grow? Well, I mean, not if he's not here. You know, I kind of get those kind of comments. I'm like, well, how good is he at his, you, you, you always tell me he's on his phone, so he's really good at his phone, right? Well, yeah. Well, then... Growth mindset exists. I prove it to you because whatever he's practicing, he's good at. So getting teachers to come out of the fixed mindset of, of that is also, like, been challenging work. I think um, you talked about the college and career. I think Fort Worth ISD has a lot of resources, and we offer a lot of opportunities. Sometimes we don't align all those resources because I always stress about different pathways of success. I don't know if we're heading all those pathways sometimes because of roadblocks put in, you know, through the campus, through the district, through the state. So one of the biggest challenges that we have is aligning those resources and trying to direct the student for their successful path. Um, I haven't gotten there yet. Still working at it, but I think... Hey, we got welding though, man. Yeah, we got welding. You know? Took us five years, but we got it. We're adding welding... You know, it's it's challenging. It's I think that it goes back to vocabulary, and you said it perfectly. I haven't gotten there yet. Instead of I can't, I haven't gotten there yet. And so um, with that growth mindset, how do we give kids tools as far as different, a different vocabulary and say, no can'ts, we're not going to say can't, but yet. We haven't, been, we haven't gotten there yet. And so keep looking forward, as uh, Mr. Langston was saying. Yeah, the power of yet is actually represented in our classrooms. Our teachers were given a poster that said yet on it so that they would remind themselves. That's cool. Yeah. Love Can't that. Yet. Okay. Well, let's get to it, and we'll get to it. You know, we, yet just means it's, it's right in the time, but the time isn't going to be stagnant. It's going to keep moving, so let's move with the time and grow with and and let's be clear. Let, let just I want to go back to your point about you know two point gain from benchmarks. Our retester scores and all of our scores schools were that uh, left something to be desired. We'll, we'll leave it at that, right? You would all agree with that, right? Um, but what I want my teachers to see is not like oh well this kid's a retester and obviously you know, but did they grow? This is our baseline. Where are we moving from here? And even if it's two questions, if we don't celebrate the fact that they're growing in a positive direction, um, why is that kid going to continue to extend effort? Because for some of our kids, it's going to take an extended effort of two or three years to get them able to to pass that test because they're, they have that kind of delay. So. Again, fixed mindset and, and, and a growth mindset, deficit mindset, well, however you want to look at it, I think is, um, I know something in just our conversations, um, just something that you, you work with your staff and students on. So some great ideas and, and some powerful tips. Last question kind of, you know, to think about is, 
there's so many new teachers coming into the profession, whether they're first year teachers or new, new through alternative certification programs. Um, and they're already, you know, teacher burnout is already a real thing for, for next year. Right. So if you had to give, you know, your first year teachers, your people new to the profession, one piece of advice to keep them into the profession, what, what would it be? I would never want to relive my first year of teaching. I don't believe any of us would. Oh, ever. I do definitely. I don't think <laughs> no, any of I'm us would ever want to relive our first year of teaching, and so um, they don't have that perspective. I worked for a principal that I worked every Saturday for the first two years, and I didn't realize other people didn't have to do that because she just told me I had to do tutoring on Saturdays. But you know, as a twenty-one year old kid, I just was like, "Well, hey, if this is how I keep my job, then uh, you know, I show up." Not, not very wise. <laughs> The, the notion that you're not you're not going to go home your first year, it just that's okay. It'll get better. It will get better. Yes, and it will get better for all of us. This people in this room, all of our teachers, you grand veteran teachers, it will get better. Have we had a tough time? Yeah. World War II was four years of a tough time, right? The Great Depression sucked for a decade, and they a got decade. It. You know, I, I'm going to say this: our students are the next greatest generation. Right. You know, we talked about people that, that grew up and had to deal with the Great Depression, and then they took care of World War II, right? Now we have this. If we take care of our kids, they're going to be the next just – we're going to be so proud of them. And why would somebody not want to be part of that, right? So it's, it's an exciting time to think about the next few years and what you're going to do with kids that have had a tough time for several years in a row. So it's a really exciting time. Is it going to be tough? Are they going to have deficits? Certainly. But they're also going to have some blank slates for you to work with, right? So I'm, I'm excited about the future. I love that. I love that, too, and I want to give Durbin a chance to speak. Um, but one of the things I see about teacher burnout is, man, like, like so many teachers start over because they don't, like, just journal or make notes about their lesson plans of, like, what went well this year and what they're going to, like, they, they, you don't have to start completely over every year. Um, use each year to build upon, even if it's, well, I'm not doing that again. And, and that's a lot of what your first year is, right? Like, oh, God, that was a terrible idea. But then also there's some surprise moments where you're like, oh, that went way better than I thought it was going to. People who stay in this profession, people who are successful in this profession have figured out how to make each year a growing year. Again, growth mindset, see the theme, as opposed to, man, I'm fixed, and here's another new year. Here's another new group of students. Oh, guess what? The district's making me do this now. Oh, okay. I mean, it's quick. It's easy to find a bunch of reasons why you're not successful. Um, but I think you have to actively be searching for, for those reasons. But, Derby, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about. I think, it, you know, teacher burnout, especially first years, uh, relies on us as administrators and as leaders of not burning them out, of not asking them, to do, like you said, don't waste their time. Don't just have meetings just to have meetings. Um, how are we building their master schedules? Are we giving them breaks? Are we giving them coaches, instructional coaches to go coach them up? What, what are we doing as leaders to provide that support so they feel successful? Um, I think that's the biggest key for us. And allowing them to make mistakes and encouraging them to say, I want you to make mistakes because that's how you're going to learn through the experience. Now you made the mistake, so how are you going to fix it? And let them think through that. Because 
they're you know they're smart they're they're they want to be successful and they're going to fall on their face but then you get back up and you know you continue to work you know don't ever let them see you cry you know you're going to go cry i remember that and then you come back out and you're ready to go you know and that's it well you know i mean what i love about all of you guys are you're such genuine people and you're such authentic leaders of your schools and and our conversations are always kid-centered and and just like what Durbin said you're good leaders take care of their people and um, yeah we want to take care of our teachers so that the end goal is teachers take care of our kids you know I mean I think that modeling of what we're trying to do is so that it shows up with what you're doing in the classroom with the kids Um, I know I know none of you are micromanagers. I know all of you believe in your people and, and instill a, a growth mindset for, for, for your communities. Um, super honored to call you all my friends. I appreciate that you came out and shared some wisdom with my, my staff and uh, look forward to uh, continued conversations. Maybe you all come back again uh, as we get close and you, some of we can gloat about some of the achievements we made uh, down the road. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, John. Absolutely. Appreciate it.